Welcome to episode 16 of the Through the Point podcast. This week I interviewed Haley Poole, who is a thrower at the University of Minnesota, and I'm not exactly sure what year to say she is because she's heading into her final year academically but still has three years of eligibility left. She suffered a torn UCL her freshman year and had Tommy John to repair that, and then she also just had her junior season canceled because of COVID. Uh, Haley provided a ton of valuable insight into dealing with serious injuries, which is an unfortunate reality of the sport. And she also just had a really interesting look into her career, uh, which started as a really successful thrower in the state of Montana. Uh, I appreciate her taking the time to do the interview, and shout out to anyone from Montana or the University of Minnesota that are listening because of her. Uh, I appreciate you taking the time to listen, and hopefully you all enjoy. Thanks. I'm here with Haley Poole, a thrower at the University of Minnesota, who's uh, had a, I guess, I don't even know what the word to describe is surprising or uh, unique college career so far with uh, a few lost seasons, but she's here to talk about that and hopefully give some insight into people dealing with some serious injuries and just dealing with some struggles, but also a lot of success. Haley, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. How's everything going with you right now? I guess we'll start in the present time uh, before going back a bit. How are, how are you able to train and what are you doing uh, during the situation? Yeah, so right now I'm pretty much working full-time hours at a group home, um, but in between then I have been really lucky in order or in terms of like training. Um, so I was able to get a hold of my javelin, which I brought over to Minnesota. <laughs> um, and so I have some weighted javelin balls also, and then a couple of med balls. So I have been able to throw and then a couple friends of mine built a weight room in their basement, so I've been lifting weights there and then <laughs> trying to do some sprinting plyo work in like a park and stuff, so I've been really lucky. Yeah, that sounds like the story of just about every javelin thrower right now is finding or making do with what they have, but are you, you said you're in Minnesota right now? Yeah, I'm in Minneapolis. Because you're from where? Um, I'm from Warden, Montana. <laughs> okay, yeah, that's what I was, uh, I guess I when we were talking before, I think I figured it out but I just wanted to make sure uh I knew where you're at but yeah uh interesting like I've never met someone from Montana I don't think so uh you're the first <laughs> oh really yeah I've actually gotten that a lot since I've been in college so <laughs> yeah especially like it's not like you're in a neighboring state being in Minnesota you're pretty far away from Montana but uh yeah so how did you get started with javelin I guess would be my first question so my grandpa used to throw javelin um, and then he went on to play semi-pro baseball and then he taught my dad and uncles how to throw javelin um, and so my dad was actually a three-time All-American at the University of Texas. Um, oh wow. And so he used to joke with people that he would put a javelin in my crib when I slept um, but basically as soon as I was able he had a turbo javelin and softball in my hand and Kind of had me going there and I didn't used to like it um, up until I kind of started to be a little better at it and then it became more fun and I wanted to train all the time so <laughs> yeah I think that's definitely the same with me like when I started it was not nearly as fun until you got good like <laughs> yeah. I think that's uh, definitely understandable but that like when I was doing the research that people just said or like the bios said like thrower at Texas or University of Texas but I did not know he's a three-time All-American that's obviously very impressive so yeah he threw about 242 feet when he was at it so which isn't bad for a short dude 
How tall is he? I don't... I think he was about six feet. That's not short. That's blasphemy. I'm like 5'10", so... Yeah, but... Yeah, that's that's funny. But And I think it's interesting, too, that your grandpa was a thrower, and he kind of did the reverse of, like, most of the people I've talked to is, like, he threw javelin and then became... Or, like, I guess he was probably doing it at the same time, but, yeah. Yeah, he did do it at the same time, but, yeah. I think he threw maybe about 80, 188 feet in his day 180 feet maybe I don't know but yeah somewhere in the ballpark yeah (laughs) so when you were growing up was it like javelin from a really young age like officially or was it just you were throwing it around for fun um at first it was kind of for fun my dad used to have me go out in a field and kind of throw um but then I also used to do like every other sport ever um my parents were really good about getting me involved in stuff and so I feel like my athletic career was kind of furthered by just being able to be involved in everything. So right. I kind of narrowed it down in high school to volleyball, basketball, and track, then eventually just volleyball and track. And then now, obviously, I'm just in track. Right. And you had a really uh, successful high school career. Do you want to just talk about your experiences in high school and also like give it an insight into like what Montana high school track and throwing and just like everything about that, I guess, give some insight. Yeah, so I was really lucky through high school because the throwing community there is pretty close-knit because it's kind of smaller than like around Minnesota, I've noticed. Um, So my freshman year was coming in a little bit as an underdog, but I kind of was always that person who would work hard and no one would really know about it. Um, So I was going in freshman year with like all these juniors and seniors throwing really well. And my dad comes up to me and said, just throw it. What do you have to lose? And so I ended up throwing about 133.10 my freshman year, which isn't bad. I ended up winning state that year. Just casual flex. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then my sophomore year during basketball season, I tore my medial meniscus in my right knee, um, which kind of isn't the best thing to be tearing when you're trying to twist your leg when you're blocking. No, I I wouldn't say, yeah. (laughs) So my sophomore year, I still threw about 132 feet, but I ended up getting third at state. Um, And I lost to a couple of pretty good friends of mine that go to Montana schools and throw now, which is okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then my junior year, I think was my favorite year just because I came back and I worked super hard was putting in like two to three hours after school every day um and I came back broke the state record with 152.8 so yeah that's a huge way to come back with like a 20-foot PR yeah it was pretty fun um something I kind of learned through that was it's way more cool to say that you threw really far after an injury um so kind of (laughs) looking yeah the like what what was the feeling, I guess? I mean, I mean, I knew you were injured. Like, when I wrote down a question for you, I was just interested in that you won it your freshman year, then your junior year and senior year, but not your sophomore year. Like, I guess the injury really does play in, but, like, how did that feel to not win it after winning your freshman year? And then, yeah, I guess start with there. Um, it, I mean, it was very humbling, honestly, because um, I kind of came in that season, like, I don't care if I'm injured. I still really want to throw far. And then I didn't perform as well as I had wanted to. So I would say that was pretty humbling. Um, But also, I was just thankful to be able to throw it all. Um, I had to modify my technique a little bit. Um, 
So I kind of had to like relearn a couple of times how to throw again. So yeah, I don't, it was frustrating, but it just made working hard mean a little more to me than it used to. So definitely. And like, that's exactly the answer I pretty much thought you were going to give is just like, especially as a young athlete, you're going to have probably that mindset of just like, yeah, it doesn't matter if I'm hurt, I can do this, whatever. And like, it's especially in a sport like this where the numbers like you can't hide from the numbers that's the only metric it's based on it's not based on like your team or anything it's just based on you and if you're not able to operate at your full level then it's going to be hard to replicate the same performance but absolutely and then I'm sure it was really sweet coming back the next year with that huge PR and then winning it again so yeah um it was fun I actually didn't do very well at state my senior year I think I threw about 147 feet um which I ended up sliding. So we threw in grass in high school. And so I ended up sliding my block leg slid out from underneath me on what I thought was going to be a really good throw. And then after that, I got a little psyched out. Um, But then I came back two weeks later. um, I think it was Junior Olympics in Bozeman. And I ended up throwing 49, 34 meters, which was really awesome. And that was off grass too? Yeah, that was, and it was raining, so. <laughs> yeah, that's miserable. Like, I, I've only had to do grass once, but I I slipped as well, and I definitely can imagine how, especially in a high-stakes, like, mine was in a random summer meet, so it didn't matter, but, like, a high-stakes meet, like, that's definitely got to be tough to be sliding around like that and not feel confident that you're going to be able to stop. Yeah, absolutely, especially when you're throwing a little more, like, explosively and you're running a little faster. I mean, even though I had one-inch spikes on, like, it's kind of hard to stop. Right, for sure. And then you mentioned the Junior Olympics. Was it like primarily high school organized track and field when you were in high school or were you doing like summer stuff and different things like that? Um, It was basically just high school organized stuff. There was summer stuff, but I didn't really get involved because that wasn't a super huge thing for track in Montana. Mm -hmm. It was for like volleyball or basketball, so. Okay. And then you like you said you won the state championship your senior year and you obviously ended up going to University of Minnesota so like what was your decision process like and what made you choose Minnesota? Um, so I kind of had to make the decision between um, I mean as a lot of people who throw javelin know it's really hard to get a scholarship when you do one event outdoors um, instead of like multiple events indoor and outdoor so schools don't really tend to want you as much um, So I kind of had to run the line between like making the right decision for throwing really far money and like overall happiness. And I thought that Minnesota had a lot to offer for all three of those categories. Um, And I was really just excited to be working with Peter Miller. Um, And I thought the Big Ten had a lot to offer and like Minnesota is really, really strong academically. So yeah, absolutely. And I think that's really good insight, as you said, uh, just into all things that you have to factor in, because I mean, just about nobody's going to be getting a full ride, even if you're one of the top javelin throwers, unless you're like, really, really, really up there, like it's, you're going to probably get some money, uh, depending on uh, obviously your skill level, but like, the fact that you have to factor all those things in. And, and I think it seems like you made a really good choice, obviously, uh, factoring that in. So uh, mm-hmm. definitely good. And then you going into your freshman year like I mean I guess I'm spoiling it a little bit but you had a UCL injury uh do you want to just talk about that talk about your freshman year a little bit when that happened and like did you know as soon as it happened yeah so I came in my freshman year um 
I had a teammate. Her name's Nicole Murphy. She threw about 190 feet, and she made it to the Oof. Olympic trials. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then she had a couple injuries, but she was a really amazing training partner. So she was part of my decision making to come here. Um, so I came in knowing I was gonna, knowing I was gonna get like my butt kicked and everything. Um, so I just wanted to throw as far as I could that year. I had goals to make it to NCAA finals and everything. Um, my training was going really well. Um, I was meshing really well with like the throws crew and Peter. Um, and so it was February of freshman year, just like a little bit outside of when we were supposed to start competing and we had an intramural meet. And I ended up throwing, I think, upper 48 meters maybe. And I was throwing it consistently, like I was having a pretty good day. And then my last throw I came in and my arm was kind of like right by my ear as I was like finishing and I heard it pop and oh. immediately that like I messed up that time. <laughs> yeah. That's so. that's just like sounds like a nightmare. I mean that's like a lot of people deal with elbow pain or elbow stuff like that, but that's like I mean that's really it. Like Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's kind of scary. And like I think a lot of javelin throwers have a lot of experience with just scar tissue problems in their elbow um just because you are putting it in a pretty harsh position um that was like nothing I've ever felt before I had like pain running through my arm and like my whole body was in shock yeah because even like right now for me or like I mean just a lot of times you'll get like you'll be throwing but you'll get like a little tingly thing in your fingers but I can't imagine like when it's actually like really really messed up like that's got to be just horrible yeah um and I still experienced kind of just because my arm was cut open right by my ulnar nerve, um, just like the tingling in like my fingers. And it's been two years since that's happened. So. Right. And you know, from like a baseball background, um, just kind of like the, I don't like aftermath of getting that injury, like you are still like, you still have like a really strong elbow, but there's just so much that you have to deal with after you get that surgery. So Right, for sure. And that's like one of the major things that jumped out when you messaged me because uh, we got connected through the post I had the other day looking for people who lost their season or had different things going on. And Haley reached out with a really interesting story, obviously, and we got her on here, which I'm glad for. But like, I think just that's something that like, like I said, a lot of people experience elbow pain, but I thought you could really provide some good like advice or insight into like what it was like to really have as we, like as bad as it gets for the elbow like have that experience and be able to come back from it like before it happened would you say you had a lot of elbow pain when throwing or was it kind of just like a surprise um I mean I did have a little bit of soreness especially if I hadn't thrown for a while and then I kind of like came back into it um I wouldn't say I ever really had like a lot of pain that I wasn't already like taking care of with like prehab right so um yeah, I don't know. And then I guess I also am super thankful that you're doing the podcast with like this javelin community because I feel in my case, like there's a ton of research done on like UCL repairs in baseball players, but there's nothing on javelin throwers. Ever. Right. Like that is actually statistically like a lot of people do tear their UCLs throwing. So. Oh, absolutely. Like you'll hear, unfortunately, I mean, it's just a the demands you mentioned of the sport but like you hear about that all the time with different uh, different people and I think like injuries is something I haven't focused on enough because a lot of people I've interviewed have said 
like after the interview like oh I wish I would have talked about my injuries more because they've all just like everyone gets injured like like we said with just different demands whether it be the elbow or the back or the knees or different things like that like it's really common so when you said that I was like you know what that would be really great and obviously you're doing a lot of good stuff as well uh throwing but just like that part really jumped out to me so when you're coming back from that like how what was the recovery process like and like how long did it take you to really be back so um it took me about 12 months before they allowed me to actually throw a javelin how I wanted to. Um, so something kind of scary about coming back from this injury is that like after about two months, you feel perfectly fine. Like you should be able to just like take anything and just launch as far as you want. <laughs> but you're not supposed to do that because um, your elbow is actually like still really sensitive and could get re-injured. So an actual quote from my head coach about just like adversity and stuff is just like embrace the suck. And so that was something that I really had to face as I was like going through my injury and something that I would tell others who go through this is like embrace the suck. Yes. Um, build a community around you. Don't let yourself get like far away from like your or anything because Mm -hmm. like mental health also has a lot to do with like coming back from an injury. And if you're not happy, your body isn't going to heal the way it needs to. Absolutely. And I think that's really, really awesome that you said that. Cause if you just think about it, like if you're not able to handle that, like, or like you're so much of your identity is tied into like, especially if you're, you're at a big 10 school, like if you're competing at the highest level, you're, I'm sure like, that's not all you are, but like you, I mean, that's like, you're proud of it. And obviously you put in a lot of time. So like, if you're not able to do what you went to school for and really did all that stuff like that's going to be tough tough to handle so that's a really good good advice would you would you say you learned more of like how to improve without throwing during that time like doing other stuff outside of that or what would you say about that yeah I was actually kind of thankful I gotta go back to like the very very basics of throwing um which I'm still working out some technical things but I think I worked out a lot of really good like arm mechanics And so I feel like re-injuring my arm isn't something I'm necessarily like worried about right now. Mm -hmm. Um, So that part was really good. I had like, obviously like a really good coach to help me and he has been super patient with me and then athletic trainers um, who are just there through it all. And then I actually had the honor of getting my arm cut open by the twin surgeon. Oh, wow. So I just, I had really amazing resources, which I think makes a huge difference. Oh, absolutely. Like I was going to ask actually who you got it done by, if it was like through the school or whatever, but having that, obviously the twins, like you said, baseball has this all the time and they, they're the ones doing all the research. So I'm sure uh, that doctor knew exactly what they were doing when they went into it. So then you came back, that was your freshman year, correct? Yeah. So the injury happened your freshman year and you were able to come back and compete your sophomore year, right? Yes, I had um, surgery in April of 2018, and then I came back for the 2019 season. Okay. Like this, I guess, going before I ask how the season went, like, was it hard to trust your arm again or, like, trust your ability to throw without getting hurt? Or were you, like, once you knew you were healed, it was time to go full on again? Um, I would say there was a smaller part of me that was scared to be injured, but the biggest part of me was just like the thirst for throwing again um, and just wanting to throw far. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I guess that's good to hear for anyone who's dealing with some pain is that 
hopefully like your drive outweighs the fear of like that type of thing. Cause I'm sure it was obviously pretty traumatic and, and tough to handle, but good to hear you were able to come back. So like, how did you do that sophomore year in your first season back? Um, so for the majority of the season until big 10 conference, um, I only threw with like a seven step and then I didn't take all six of my throws or three of my throws that I was um, given during competition. So I would say that I kind of threw in the range from 40 to 45, 46 meters. Um, which like, obviously I was not wanting, but it kind of just made me more hungry to be better this year. Definitely. And that's what I was going to ask. Cause I knew it was a bit down uh, from where you were able to be your senior year of high school. And like, obviously you dealt with another serious injury. So being able to uh, recover from that's great. But like, how, how tough was it to handle, I guess, not throwing as well as you knew you could or something like that? Um, I was really, really hard on myself, honestly, um, which is probably another thing that I guess I would tell others is don't be hard on yourself. Like your body might feel good um, when you're doing something, but like internally, there's just a lot going on. And you also have to take into account like how many months you had to go without training or without throwing or anything. Um, so in the end, I wasn't super upset. I was really thankful to be able to be doing this still, honestly, because it is a pretty major ligament repair surgery. So, well, yeah, about as major as it gets. <laughs> definitely, definitely good that you're able to come back. And like, there are obviously times where people have it and they're really not able to be the same as they were before. But I know, like you said, you felt really good about where you were training at and where you're going to be now. And if I, we look back to your sophomore year of high school when you injured your knee that next year you're able to come back with the 20 foot PR. So fingers crossed that at least that's happening again and you'll be able to throw really far. But uh, I guess, uh, yeah, hopefully history repeats itself there. But then you're heading into this year and like, I guess talk, you said you were feeling good about it, but just talk about, I guess, the preparation for this year. And then obviously uh, it didn't happen, but. Yeah, so this year I was really able to amp up my training. Um, and I think my coach was pretty excited about it. And like, I had one of my teammates who was throwing. Um, so in the winter, obviously Minnesota gets a little bit cold. Um, yeah. And so we throw in like at an indoor turf with blunt tip javelins. And so I had one of my teammates, like she was throwing super far. So I had her as a great training partner. Um, I had another great training partner who unfortunately was also suffering an injury this year oh, and, then, wow. and who came in from Kansas and she's getting really good too. So we were all able to train together. It was going really well. I felt stronger than I had honestly ever felt. Um, but technically I was feeling like I was lagging a little bit this year. Um, so it's just kind of trying to do some fine tuning with that. Um, I think regardless, I was still really looking forward to throwing far this year, but. Yeah. And then obviously things happened, but yeah. like when that, when you found like, how did you find out, I guess the season was canceled and what was like, I guess your first reaction and now your reaction looking back on it. Yeah. Um, my eyes were kind of glued to my phone for a while, just because I had heard like other things were being canceled. Um, like obviously like NCAA basketball, um, and so I was looking for like the spring sports and then they posted online that spring sports were canceled. Um, 
So I guess immediately I was just worried about, am I going to get the season back? Um, which fortunately, like, we got the eligibility back. Um, I was still bummed out, but then I guess it's just like another year where I get to do something I love with people that I enjoy being around every day. So Right. That That week of everything being canceled was like one of the weirdest weeks ever, like you said, is it was just things were canceled things weren't canceled and then obviously pretty much everything ended up being it but it was like people were trying to not cancel and then like yeah. I think like what I've thought when I look back now is this like the NBA being canceled with that once that was happening that was pretty much like the big fish that just went and then everything followed that yeah like oh this is a big deal <laughs> yeah exactly if they're gonna start like losing millions and billions of dollars on that then yeah we're we're probably done but I, I don't know if I've got had to have said this on a different podcast, but like one of my roommates, it was just the guy that was like on top of this before it was cool. Well, not cool, but like more of it was like mainstream, I guess. Like he was like, oh yeah, like this season's screwed because of this. Like, and I, this was like early March. I was like, all right, whatever. And then like here, two weeks later, he's exactly right. And then I'm at home now. So it was just like a very weird time, I guess. Yeah, um, I feel like there was a lot of anticipation building up to it, and then everything happened super fast, and, like, everyone's kind of, like, worlds came crashing down a little bit. Um, and, and the strange part, too, is it wasn't like it was all at once. It was, like, some conferences did it, like, two yeah. or three days ahead of it, where it was, like, well, I mean, there's no way, like, we're going to have a season if the ACC doesn't. <laughs> like, that just doesn't seem like it makes any sense. Yeah. But it was just, like, very strange. Yeah, I guess that's like everyone listening now is going to remember that but like if this podcast lasts for a long time like so maybe some younger people are like not going to really remember how like weird that was I guess uh during this time but so then looking ahead I think it's like we talked about this too before the interview started is like you're going into your senior year academically and you have three years of eligibility left yep <laughs> so <Yeah>. like, <laughs> what, what like what is the process there like I, yeah I guess what is your thought process there and like how do you view that and like what do you plan to do going forward yeah um so kind of as we were talking earlier I feel really old um and it's just kind of weird um because I was supposed to compete my freshman year and then be done with my collegiate career after next year right um so it feels really weird um my mentality right now going forward is like if 2020 sucks like now is the time to make 2021 the best year ever mm. so my mentality right now um with like training and everything is like if 2020 sucks then now is the time to make 2021 like the best year ever so absolutely yeah i, I think that's the mentality a lot of people are, are viewing it as as like michael shuey specifically i remember him talking about how like He's like, I mean, yeah, it's great for me. Like, I get another year of training to, like, be at that next level. And I think, I mean, basically everybody's getting that. But, like, the people who really take advantage of this time and are able to, like, like you said, find places to do things, running sprints in the park and doing whatever you can uh, yeah. with the with the resources given to you. I mean, those are the people that are really going to succeed in the next year and be able to, like you said, take advantage of 2021 and make that a really good season so I'm, I'm interested to see obviously for myself because I'm still competing but also just the sport in general like how is the sport going to respond in 2021 is it going to be like a some people take a step down because of how tough this was or is it going to be like everybody's throwing super far because they were all able to really focus on training and not competing yeah I think my theory on this is unfortunately like not everyone 
has access to either places to train or the equipment to train. Um, so kind of my theory is that next year's performances kind of rely on what you have access to right now, mm-hmm. which is fortunate because that's not really like equal for everyone. Um, but I just kind of hope for everyone competing in the next year or so that they are finding ways to kind of overcome this adversity right now. Yeah, absolutely. Which is something you've had to do. I guess we'll count your high school injury because that's another serious injury as well. So, I mean, you've had to do that a number of times. So this is no, unfortunately, no stranger to you, but I think that's one, one thing that makes your story awesome is your ability to keep coming back and stay motivated even when times are tough like that. Yeah, I feel like you learn a lot more that way too. So definitely. And like for me, I haven't had anything nearly as serious with you, but when I, I was interested in like what you learned when you weren't able to throw, uh, this or after you had the elbow injury was like this off season I was dealing with back pain like that I just couldn't throw it all but I felt like it made me better in the sense that I was able to like learn my approach more because it was like it felt fine when I ran or like do different things like that as I was able to have a lot like then I came outside and I was throwing and it felt like better than it ever had and it was just like why was how does that make sense like I haven't thrown it all but it was because I was able to really focus on the aspects outside of what the actual throw is so it's just like every really good person I've talked to seems like they try and tell me like throw less do everything else more (laughs) like it's just not as I and I was someone and I still love to throw but like I used to love to like three days a week or more throw like the javelin it's just like that's not what's like that's more of the test or like where you can transfer those things but if you didn't really do the proper preparation outside of that then it's not going to go the way you think yeah, absolutely. And there's so much. Javelin has about every track event involved. Um, so you have like your throwing, your bounding. So that's kind of like jumping and then you have your sprinting. Um, so it's like, it's so kind of stupid how many positions you have to put your body into. Um, so it's like, no wonder we have like back pain or knee pain or shoulder pain or elbow pain. Yeah. I feel like the elderly right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and when you were saying, talking about like elbow, like being deformed and stuff, like, I don't know if you can see on the thing, but like, I can't, mine, like, I guess that actually looks better. Like, this is bad radio with people just listening, but you're the only person you can see it. It's like, my elbow does not straighten out. Like, it just like stays at like a bent angle, like at all times, even when I try and extend it. So it's just like, I don't know, as long as it doesn't hurt, I don't want anyone to look in there because I have no idea what's going on, but it's... uh, No, don't ask, don't tell. (laughs) Exactly, yeah, it's just like, I'm sure all of us have some type of weird deformation, different things like that, so I guess, like you said, as long as as it doesn't hurt, then go ahead with it, but... Yeah. What would you say, I guess you talked about it a little earlier, but just like, what, even outside of elbow injuries, like, what would be like the major thing you would tell someone who's dealing with an injury or in a time like this, just dealing with adversity specific to the javelin throw? Um, so for all my fellow type A people out there, I would say basically it, it's okay to take a minute just to not be throwing. Um, and like taking breaks can be part of your training too. You know what I mean? Just as long as you're kind of doing something worthwhile. So like my coach was talking to me at the beginning of all of this. He was like, well, you can't throw right now. Like you can't sprint. Like if you're not able to do those things, maybe do things for like your core to like even like strengthening like your ankles or like 
shoulder prehab and stuff. Um, and that's, it's okay to do that. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that's really good advice is just like, like we've talked about is like both of us, I would say are very highly driven, but like taking that step back is just huge. And that's another thing that all the good people have been echoing is like, I always refer to Mike Hazel because this just really stuck with me when he was on was that he prepared for the Olympics and went harder than he ever did. And he said he threw like crap. And then he took two weeks off and got drunk and threw like 10 meters further than he did in the Olympics. So yeah. it's just like, I'm at, not that I'm saying that's the the perfect advice, but it's just like his ability to like realize like, I just need to relax and not care and didn't care. And he was able to come back and do it. So obviously if you can't just like always do that, but if you have that base built up, you're obviously focused. Like it is good to take that time and be able to just, yeah, just take a second and not push through an injury when you don't really need to. Yep. I think like, because we throw, for distance, um, we kind of tend to think like, oh, that wasn't far enough, that wasn't far enough. And like that not only gives your body a break, but that kind of mentally gives you a huge break too of like not always being super hard on yourself and stuff like that. So definitely. And I think I don't know if you feel the same way. I guess I could ask you too, is just like how do you feel like you throw in practice compared to meets in terms of I guess quality and distance like would you say you're like pretty close or is it like much further in meets oh that is a good question um I feel like it depends on the practice um so when you go through cycles of like you're lifting really hard you're running really hard technically I think practice can be difficult sometimes and you feel like you're putting a lot of effort in and then your throws are going nowhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I think that's my favorite part about just like not being able to compete in the winter and then throwing outside. It's like you work on your form the whole time you're training really hard and then you go outside and it feels effortless just to put your technique together and then have a really far throw. So. Yeah. And that's, that's something I've been talking about with a few people and then like, I posted another Mike Hazel thing. I just keep talking about him. Like he threw like 85 meters in practice, but he was never able to throw that in a meet. But then I've also seen like, I'm at least it's hard to tell now, I guess, cause there hasn't been any meets, but like I've been someone that throws much further in meets than practice. And that like the whole point where I was going with this was just like in this time where you're not in any meets, like don't get obsessed with how far you throw in yeah. practice necessarily. Like obviously it's, if it's really far, that's like a good thing, but if it's not, as far as you think you can throw, like it's not even close to the same environment. So I wouldn't say like harp on that and just be like, this is the farthest I can throw. This is all I can do. Like there's been times where I couldn't throw far at all. And then I, the next competition, it works fine. So it's just like, I think yeah. that was like my main point was just like when you're going to have this extended time where people literally may not, most of us are probably not going to compete in 2020. So like, don't let those, that get into your head and like you talked about like the mental health before is like don't become obsessed with I'm not as good as I was or I'm not doing whatever like you don't really know I guess what's on what could happen when the lights are really on yeah for sure that's yeah that's something like I want to talk about more and I, one thing I want to start doing too is if I can find them post more videos of good people throwing bad is like I just feel like that's <laughs> not done enough like people I'm not going to start exposing people I'm not going to try to do that but like one thing I just think is good like when I watch, I've watched like some meets, not like full meets, but just like 15 minute clip. And it's like Zelezny throwing and like his first throw is like 68. And then he just like fouls it. And it's just like, oh, that sucks. And the next one's 90. And it's just like the way he's able to recover. And like, but you only see the 90, like no one uploads yeah. the clips of like the part where he fails and like, is still able to like keep his composure and go on. It's just like, that's one thing that I think is really 
just like it's easy because yeah because it's not like it's even like basketball or football or baseball where you're able to like turn on the tv and just watch the javelin competition like you just see whatever instagram page uploads it like whose clip it was and it was there for this throw but they probably had three that were not very good at least so it's just like highlights absolutely and i've seen so many meets mostly in high school where people just slide they fall and everything and then they get up and like they can throw really far but nobody ever really talks about the falling down or anything um which also is really embarrassing (laughs) when you're exposing people I guess (laughs) yeah Yeah. and it's like if I was going to upload a bad one I would upload a good one too like I'm not trying to try and like rip people but I think it is good to see like you said the side that people don't normally see or like realize that like the meat is probably two good throws or three good throws if it's a good meat and like there's a lot of ones that aren't good and I think the sign of like a good thrower is obviously able to come back but also like the ability to let go and not care if they throw that bad one in exchange for the really good one is like I've talked about that with somebody is I just feel like I mean all the really good people do it but like Zelezny specifically will just like go for broke and just like not care if it's like he's not afraid to throw 65 in exchange for 95 like it's just a matter of being like I just don't be too perfect is like I last year I tried to be perfect and like always hit the point perfectly and like obviously that's the goal but like it's not like I by trying to hit it too much I wasn't hitting it at all so it just didn't go right but yeah I think something that people who aren't really invested in throwing don't understand is how much mental toughness you actually have to have to throw because you have all these other people um plus you're competing against yourself plus you're competing against like other statistics that are around like the country and stuff and there's always that technique aspect that like training aspect and everything um which I think is actually one of the most exciting parts about like watching throwers is okay they sucked last week when they were throwing what are they going to do with this meet Mm -hmm. yeah and that's a good point with like just the statistics is like you can have a bad meet and then you go on tfers and people are just beating you down (laughs) you're just like oh my god like they how did they do that but then also like the conditions could be completely different where it's like you had to deal with like rain and sleet and they were throwing in sunny wherever and it's like they threw two meters further than you but it's probably be or like could be because of that like it's just not not everything was the same until you're at the same place so yeah definitely definitely good insight there too who would you say this is always the last question but I'm interested to see with you who is your favorite thrower of all time and why um see I have a lot of favorite throwers um from my feminist point of view, there's always Barbara Spodakova. Um, you also have to give your fun fact about that. I was going to bring that up. My fun fact. Um, <laughs> she um, holds the world record for women's javelin, I think at, what is it, 72-28? It's, seven, yeah, 72 something like that. Yeah. And so she was a multi at the University of Minnesota. So I'm representing her alma mater right now. Um, <laughs> And so she went on after college back to Czech Republic, got trained by Zelezny to throw javelin, and then she went out and broke the world record for women's jab. So, yeah, that's like I had no idea when we were talking before. She was just like, "Yeah, did you know that like she went to Minnesota?" And I was like, "I had literally no clue, but that's awesome." Yeah, yeah, really cool fact. I actually didn't know that until I came here too. Do you think that'd be like the huge recruiting pitch, even if she didn't throw that well in college, like or whatever? But you think I'd be telling everyone 
yeah, she came here and broke the world record. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, so, yeah, that's, especially for like javelin throwers coming in because that's a huge thing. Um, yeah, like everyone's that really niche, passionate. Like that's awesome. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um. Then some of my others, obviously, Vetter would be a huge one of mine. He is built like he could just like bench press semi trucks. <laughs> going and he gets like this huge stretch in his arms. Um, and just like one of the longest poles ever. I also like Julius Diego. I think he's self-taught, which is why I say that. Um, so I'm a big fan of him. Yeah. I mean, those are all all good ones. And like, no one has really said Julius Diego, even though he's like one of the best throwers, like literally statistically wise, he's one of the best throwers of all time. And like what he was able to do is like, someone was talking about how I think he got to like upper seventies, basically on his own completely. And yep. then was in ended up going to Finland and that really helped him like go from that to like what he ended up being or is but mm -hmm. like if anyone who's able to throw like however far that is like 250 plus without <laughs> any coaching and like really good resources is just incredible so yeah, yeah that's a good one too I think something that a lot of people I grew up throwing with um have used is like YouTube because there are like a lot of coaches um, who like have never thrown the javelin, kind of like what we were talking about earlier. And it's really, really hard to coach something that like you don't know what it feels like or anything. Um, so I think YouTube is like a great resource for people. Oh, yeah. Like that's how I started mine. Like, like you said, I, I don't think it takes being a great thrower. Like you didn't have to throw 90 to be able to coach javelin. But I think if you just haven't done it at all, like you said, like you literally don't know what it feels like. So you could be coaching like, yeah, this is what it looks like they're doing, but it's just like, that's not how it feels at all. Or that's not what it's really like. So it's like, even if the intentions are good, like it's not easy. Yeah. So, well, Haley, thank you so much for doing this. Hopefully uh, you said we might get a good man Montana following from this, which I don't know if I have any besides you. So that would be much yeah. appreciated, but. Give me a shout out. <laughs> yeah. But thank you for coming on and telling your story. It's really awesome. And like you said, hopefully the 20 plus foot jump for you next year uh, and come back from that injury. But awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Great. If I make it out the sound, no, I'm gonna keep you around. Swear to God, I'm not gonna switch on you.